Amen. We're in the third lesson of the series, All Access, and we're talking about what it means for God to have all access to our lives and for us to have all access to Him. And when we have all access to God, then we find that, that our, the, the restrictions on our life begin to lessen and the opportunity and potential for our life begin to become greater and greater. It elevates every part of life's experience when we have all access to God and He has all access to us. It kind of supercharges our life, if you will. And when we're reading in the book of Acts, we're, we're talking about Acts chapter 2, and we've, we've talked about how Jesus told the, the disciples and the 500 that were there on the hill just before he ascended into heaven. He said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. 120 of them left the hill and went to the, the upper room there in Jerusalem and did exactly what he said. They waited for the promise of the Father. And week one, we discovered that boldness is a product of unity. And unity requires submission. There were 120 unified believers that were submitted to the will and word of God. And so they went to Jerusalem and they waited for the promise of the Father. In week number two, last week, we heard that the, when the Holy Spirit fills our lives, he shifts the sound of our lives. The sound of our life becomes different. And, and we talked about what is the dominant sound of your life. We pray and believe and hope that the Holy Spirit is the dominant sound in your life. That, that when you hear other sounds coming into your world, and you will, and not all of them are bad, but we, we need them to harmonize with the Holy Spirit if we're going to accept them or we determine to reject them if they do not harmonize with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to have, for God to have all access to us even as we have all access to him. It means that he has the ability to say, yeah, this don't work. That's how God talks. He says, this don't work. And, and, and that's what, he needs the ability to say that. And if he has all access to us, then he has the ability to say this doesn't work. And if he doesn't have all access to us, then what we end up finding is we keep trying to get him to do our will versus we do his will. Amen. So, so uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit meant that the Holy Spirit lived inside the believer. And so we find this in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 rather, verses 1 through 3. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. That was week one. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. That's what we talked about last week and broke that down. And this week, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now that is a, that is a wild experience right there. To, to experience something like this was just entirely miraculous. We talked last week about the sound from heaven that filled the house that they were in, but it wasn't just an audible shift that took place on the day of Pentecost. There was a visible change in the atmosphere that was experienced by the believers. Now, the scripture says that the, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared. So it, it appeared and then it separated and sat upon each of them. And if I was going to teach this in depth, I would, I'm going to teach it very quickly, but it's indicative of how God, 
was working with Israel as a nation for since Abraham until this moment. And when God judged the nation, he judged everybody in the nation. So when the nation sinned against God, they went into captivity. Now, did every single person in the nation sin against God? Did everybody stop giving sacrifice? Did everybody stop living according to the law? Probably not. Probably somebody was doing it right. But everybody went into captivity. But then, then when, every, when the nation repented before God, everybody was brought out of captivity. Now, is it, is it possible that some people in captivity were not repentant before God? They just kept doing whatever they were doing. They never repented. It's possible. But God was dealing with Israel as a nation. And so when, when he brought the nation out, everybody that was, uh, that was part of the nation got to come out of captivity if they chose to do so. But here you see one flame of fire and it divides and it sits upon each of them and if you you can really get into the detail of this if you go back to original languages and read read up on this it's pretty fascinating to me it may bore you to sleep I don't know maybe if you have insomnia that's an option for you I don't know but but he it, it suddenly it's God dealing with people as individuals and now it's you and I have a relationship with the Lord as our personal savior the Holy Spirit came to indwell each individual believer. And, and now we're not judged as a nation anymore. And we're not blessed as a nation anymore. We are in individual relationships with God. Now, when this, when this all occurred, I kind of think it looked like it does when you're at the beach. You're sitting at the beach and, and, and the sun's starting to cook. You got there early, so, you know, it's kind of cool, but now it's starting to heat up a little bit. And so you look from your chair out toward the water and you start seeing it looks like the air is doing like this. And it's kind of wavy and it's kind of, it looks odd and it looks, like, it looks like the air is dancing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's heat distortion is what it is and hot air and cold air are starting to mix and as it mix, it mixes, it, it reflects light differently. And so you get these almost mirage-looking things there. And so that's kind of what I'm picturing when I see this. Now, the, the, the phrase, tongues of fire, that was kind of an idiomatic phrase of the time where when they were talking about distortion in some way that... Uh, was, was indicating that God was there, that divinity was present, then they might use that phrase. So maybe it was actual tongues of fire and maybe it was a distortion of the environment. But no matter how you look at it, the atmosphere shifted when the Holy Spirit came onto the scene. It caused a disturbance. And here's our big idea. And if you're a note taker, grab a piece of paper, grab your notes out of your service guide and, and write this down. The big idea is when the Holy Spirit fills your life, he shifts the atmosphere of your life. The atmosphere of your life changes when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, every time something new enters an environment, it shifts the environment. It shifts the atmosphere. And change results. Anytime anything new comes in. Have you ever been sitting with a bunch of friends? You, you, I mean, everybody knows one another. And, and so you're chatting, you're talking, and everything's easy and, and, and fun, and everybody's laughing. 
And then one of your friends comes in late and they bring somebody you don't know into the conversation. Immediately, the atmosphere shifts. Now, they might be nice or they may not be nice. You don't know that yet, though. So the atmosphere shifts because you're, you're trying to figure out who is this person? Why are they here? And so the room is just different now. You know that. It can happen with people that you know and love as well. It, Christy and I are very different in many ways. We've been married, well, actually, in almost every way. We're very different. And we've been married almost 25 years. And when Christy enters the room, the atmosphere shifts for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. See, in our house, I'm very quiet and demure, and I'm very... Um, that's mean. <laughs> You're also right. Okay, so, so I'm loud, and when I get up in the morning, I like to turn on music, and I like the bass to be pumping, and I like, you know, I like fast music, I like slow music, I like classical, I like rap, I like, I like everything in between. I, I, want it, I want it to be moving and running, and, and, and I enjoy that. And, and, and Christy, Christy will work in the house the entire day, and nothing ever plays. So the Lord blessed me with some noise-canceling headphones, and so I'll be studying, and I'm sitting there doing this while I'm typing and, and enjoying it, and, and Christy's like, <laughs> and I'll be like, what? Oh, what? And uh, be, because I like a different atmosphere than she does, and sometimes that's caused tension in our life because uh, in my truck, I'll be sitting there and music will be playing and, and then I'll, be, I'll go pick Christy up from something and she'll jump into the truck and, and instantly the atmosphere shifts. It's been awesome. I've been having a party in the truck. It's been great. And, and she gets into the truck and, and, and it's still playing at exactly the same level, but something is very different. It's, not, it's just different. And I, and I look over at her and she's going... When we first got married, she would just reach up and shut off the radio. And I would say, what are you doing? And she said, I don't like that. This is my truck. You're, you, you just got in here. Let me tell you how this is going to go, lady. And then we would drive in silence for as long as she was in the truck. Because that's how it was going to go, okay? Today, she jumps in the truck and music's playing and, and she'll go... And I will reach up and shut off the music. Because it's my choice. Amen. The Lord is good. We're in therapy. It's going to work out. It changes, and the life of a believer should have a different atmosphere than the life of an unbeliever. When you walk into the home of a, of, a, of a believer, it should feel different than that of an unbeliever. When you go into the atmosphere surrounding a believer, there should be a shift that occurs from an unbeliever's uh, atmosphere. Uh, an unbeliever can be a good person and have good understandings and have good intentions. And, and there, it's not, this is not bad or good. This is, this is, but when you're, in, when you're a believer and the Holy Spirit's in your life, the things in your life should feed the things of the Spirit. The atmosphere of your life should feed the, the things of the Spirit in 
your own life. And, and when an unbeliever is building a life, then often it is the flesh that is being fed, the, the carnal nature that's being fed. So, so in the unbeliever's life, there may, there, there's going to be a tendency to feed things like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And, and we're not talking about a person being despicable or, or mean or bad. We're just talking about a trickle of feeding of these things throughout life and the atmosphere in a surrounding them. Whereas a believer, it should be feeding the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit should be, uh, should be being fed. Because here's the reality. Whatever you feed will lead in your life. Whatever you feed will lead in your life. And if you feed the things of the flesh, the things of the flesh will lead. And if you feed the things of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit will lead. And so whoever's on ProPresenter, put that up there. Whatever you feed will lead in your world. And so I encourage you to feed the things of the Spirit. And the atmosphere of your life should feed the things of the Spirit. But the issue is this. When atmospheres shift... Outside of our control, we usually become defensive. We get defensive whenever they move outside of our control. Now, if we're the ones instigating the change, then we feel good about it. But if it's something else instigating the change, then we become defensive about it. Now, last week I told you that whenever uh, the audible shift occurs, we can become uncomfortable and we can create conflict in our life by receiving too many audibles, too many uh, sounds in our life at one time. We can create a conflicting environment. But when the visual things begin to shift, we can become defensive. Sometimes you see that in churches. Sometimes you see that in in businesses where you walk in and things have changed. I remember one time I walked into my grandparents' house and they had painted their house. It wasn't the same color anymore. Were they even the same people anymore? (laughs) Well, of course they were, but they changed the the atmosphere of their home and, and it shook me up because, well, I was a kid and I was used to coming to their house and it looked like this. They didn't look like that. And now things were just different. When we control it, we, we're good. But if we don't, we become on guard. And we're ready to defend ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, we had a great staff meeting. And in the staff meeting, we were talking about atmospheres. And one of the things that was brought up is how people express worship and, and how they respond to the move of the Holy Spirit in their life. And, and people were sharing that when they first started attending certain kinds of churches, that when people would raise their hands or clap their hands, or if people would say amen or respond during the sermon, it made them feel uncomfortable. It caused them to squirm. It, it caused them to want to, to leave because they felt like, well, this is just weird. And those people are probably weird. And one person went so far as to say, you know, I, I wondered, is this a cult? And I thought about that. Now, I was raised from the Pentecostal background where if you weren't raising your hands and weren't clapping or responding in some way, that that seemed odd or different. But they were coming from the other side. It's one of the things I love about this church is that we have people from all different backgrounds and histories of Christianity coming together, worshiping God together by choice. But when somebody raises their hand, if it made them feel weird, I asked them, I said, but does it make it feel weird in any other environment? If you're sitting at a table at a restaurant and somebody across the way 
stretches like this and raises their hands. Does it cause you to get squirmy? Do you want to get up and leave because somebody at the restaurant, what if they do this to get the attention of the waiter? Does, does that cause you to have a problem? Did that cause you to want to get up and say, I'm never coming back to this restaurant again because people in this restaurant wave their hands at other folks? No, that doesn't, that doesn't work that way. What about in baseball games or football games or, you know, people will scream and lose their ever-loving minds. And we're like, oh yeah, it was a good game. But get uncomfortable in church if somebody responds in a particular way is this weird? That's what we wonder. But most people would say, but that's different. That's completely different. And here's what I would respond. It's only different because of what you expect. Depending on how you're raised, you expect different things in different places. You expect a different kind of atmosphere. And when the atmosphere changes in a way that you're not controlling that you're not understanding, that you're not on board with, then it can cause you to feel like, I want to distance myself from this situation. The real issue is trust. If we trust the one that is running the event or controlling the atmosphere, we're good. But if we don't trust them, we're guarded. If we don't trust them, we, we can become afraid. And so we protect ourselves by becoming hypervigilant. We notice everything. Somebody just cleared their throat. A baby just cried. A, a, somebody just moved in their seat. From this vantage point, I can see a lot of what y'all do. Just want you to know. Stop it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't, no matter what our method is, though, we're definitely not open and receptive because we're guarded and we're protective of ourselves. In the upper room, the atmosphere is being changed by the Holy Spirit as God is asking believers to submit to him and allow what was on the outside of them to dwell on the inside of them. He's changing the sound and he's changing the environment and he's saying, hey guys, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to go even further than this. How open and receptive are you to this? Relationship with the Holy Spirit always requires us to be open and receptive. Why? I'm going to give you some passages of Scripture very quickly. I'm going to encourage you to write them down. I'm going to read them, but I'm going to do it quickly. We have to be open and receptive because the Holy Spirit, number one, fills. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? He lives in you. So if you're not open and receptive to receiving the Holy Spirit living within you, then he, he can't even do his primary work of living within you if you're not open and receptive. Secondly, the Holy Spirit advocates for you and guides you. John 14, 16, and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, come on, this is all truth right here. But if we're closed off, have you ever tried to teach somebody who, who did not want to learn what you were trying to teach? You might as well just slam your head on a wall. It, it's, it's not going to make any difference because they're not going to be led into anything because they don't want to go. And maybe they even want to go where you're going. They just wanna, don't want to be led by you. 
And so they close themselves off. They're not open and receptive, and thus nothing happens. Talon is, is, was hanging something on the wall the other day, and he's learning how to use, uh, you know, find um, studs on a wall. And, and he's trying to figure out how to make this thing work. And he came home, the, and, and he told me, hey, I was trying to hang this thing, and I don't exactly know how that works. I said, he said, can you help me out? I said, I'd be happy to help you out, but you know, I've taught you that before. He said, I know. But there's a difference between you teaching me something when I want to know and you teaching me something just because you want to teach me something and I don't care. <laughs> True. Fair. Now I don't want to teach you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's a joke. That's a joke. I'm going to teach him. It's going to be great. You can't lead something, somebody to something they don't want to go to or if they don't want to follow you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit leads and advocates for it. Third, the Holy Spirit inspires. Mark 12, 36, for David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. He spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And David's not alone. The Holy Spirit inspires people. The entire Bible is, was written because the scripture says that holy men of God spake as they were moved. They wrote, they spake as they were moved. They shared the word as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved them and guided them to write scripture. Now, everything they thought of didn't go into scripture, but the atmosphere would shift around them and they would recognize, ah, this is something I need to write down. This is from the Holy Spirit. And it becomes our canonized scripture. We don't read in there and Paul, and Paul said, I need to get eggs and milk from the store before I go home tonight. That's not in the Bible. But I'm going to guess he thought about getting food at some point. But that wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit. So if he was closed off, he wouldn't know the difference. But being open and receptive, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit allowed him to write what we know now as Scripture. How about the Holy Spirit speaks through believers? Speaks through believers, Mark 13, 11. But when you're arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. So he, he's saying that the Holy Spirit will give instantaneous divine revelation as to what to say. I've heard testimonies from people in this church saying, that have said to me, you know, I was talking to my friend and they shared with me this very difficult situation and, and I had no idea what to say. And then suddenly this came to my mind and I was shared this and, and it really helped them. That was the Holy Spirit inspiring. How about the Holy Spirit speaking through believers? Mark chapter 13. Oh, I already said that one. It's a great one. It should be repeated. Last, the Holy Spirit witnesses truth. Witnesses truth, Acts 5, 32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. So the Holy Spirit witnesses truth. If there's ever a day that we need to know what truth is, it's today. And the Holy Spirit will witness truth within our lives. We, we're, we're in a world where people are changing everything and, and changing what has been, the, the scripture says in Romans chapter one, they will change the truth of God into a lie and ultimately serve the created thing over the creator of the thing. And we see that happening right now in our day. What leads us into truth? What testifies of truth? It's the Holy Spirit within our lives that testifies of truth. 
Ultimately, everything the Holy Spirit does requires openness and receptivity because he's actively engaged with you. And so when you're closed off and restrained, it does not work. Ever tried to hug somebody that doesn't want to hug you? Ever try to reach out to somebody who won't reach back? Open and receptivity, openness and receptivity is required for the work of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to operate in your life. So how open and receptive are you to the changing of the atmosphere? Notice that this shift preceded the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And why is that important? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't usually speak with an audible voice. But through believers who understand the atmospheric shifts he creates. I've been in places where the Holy Spirit was able to speak through me, and I'm grateful for that. But I have never heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, Micah, this is the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what to say. I'm not closed off to the opportunity and possibility. I'm just saying I've never heard it that way. But what typically happens is a shift in the atmosphere, and suddenly I know, oh, oh, the Holy Spirit is here. Oh, the Holy Spirit is moving. Oh, something, something in the atmosphere has shifted, and now I need to think about how I'm going to respond in this moment. And usually I'm saying, Holy Spirit, how do I respond in this moment? What are you leading me into right now? The 120 knew Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem. So they were there, and now the promise is arriving, and they recognize the moment of their visitation. Remember, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because it did not recognize the visitation, the time of their visitation. They didn't recognize him as Lord and Savior, but now the 120 that are unified in their understanding of who he is and what he said to do, they are there and they are reaching out to him and he is responding and they are open, they are receptive and they experience something in the Holy Spirit that had never been experienced before. But when we start talking about experiencing God, sometimes it freaks people out. Because when we think about God as a sovereign God and even as a sacrificial lamb, we're kind of okay with that. Because even if it comes with rules or it comes with laws or it comes with regulations or it comes with sacrifices or it comes, however it comes, we can, we can come to terms with that because that's, that's kind of clear boundaries and clear understandings and it is distant. There's a distance between me and that sovereign God, me and that sacrificial lamb. I, I'm not seeing Jesus on the cross right now. And, and the sovereign God, while he's working in us and, and speaking to us and through us, that's all done by the Holy Spirit. And so there's a little distance between me and the, the majesty of the sovereign God. But when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, now we're talking about feeling spiritual things or, or saying spiritual things or seeing spiritual things. And that seems a little bit arbitrary and, and somewhat subjective and it can get a little wacky because there are fewer rules involved. And how do you know exactly how that's going to work versus this? And what about this? And, and, and all the questions begin, but, but we have to remember that God is our Father and He speaks to us and He speaks through us. And he directs us and he corrects us through our relationship with the Holy Spirit, even as we read his word. Because the word is the settled word of God. Anything the Holy Spirit says or does in or through us is always going to align with written, revealed scripture. 
But even in his word, as we read it, it's the Holy Spirit that causes something to leap out at us. And suddenly a thing that we've read 500 times makes sense in a way it never has before. As the Holy Spirit does a work in our heart. And through the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit moving. He shifts the environment, the atmosphere at different times. And there's many times, but I'm going to show you three very quickly. The the, The first one I'll share is when people prayed. When people prayed, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the work of God, or the Word of God, with boldness. The Holy Spirit filled them, and the atmosphere shifted, and they preached with boldness. How about when people worshipped? One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Most of the times that I've ever experienced the Holy Spirit speaking to me and giving revelation in my life, it's been in times of worship. What kind of atmosphere are you creating in your life? Are you creating atmospheres of worship to where you feel the Holy Spirit move? You, 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 you invite the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Third one I'll share is whenever we are weak. When we are weak. And we've all been weak at some point. Romans chapter 6, 26, it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. For example, we we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes we just get to the place where we don't know what to say anymore. And the Holy Spirit begins to pray through us. I've been in moments whenever I'm just, Lord, I'm out of words. I don't know what to say. The situation is so much bigger than I am, and it's so much more confusing than I can bring clarity to, and and I don't don't know even what to do, and suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to move and work, and, and we begin to pray things that we don't even know. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. So we know these things, but the question becomes, what does the Holy Spirit feel like? On a physiological level, when when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon me and and, and work in my life, oftentimes it feels like there's just kind of this hand or pressure on my chest. Nothing's physically there, I just feel it there. Uh, Sometimes it feels like something's within me, a pressure within me. And and I I just know that the Lord is there. Some people say they feel like a tingly uh, feelings up and down their spine or in their hands and and different things. Here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit moves on you, He will move on you uniquely. Remember, it's one spirit, but it's many bodies. It's many parts of the body. It's It's all one spirit. There's not multiple Holy Spirits. But He works in each of us differently. And so I start thinking all the way back to the beginning of the message, I start thinking about love. And when, when I think about love, I, th- I have to think about Christy. And when Christy walks into the room, the atmosphere shifts for me. And it, it may not shift, in fact, I hope it doesn't shift for everybody in the room in the same way that it shifts for me, but, but it shifts for me very uniquely. And, and I can watch her as she talks with people and, and, and laughs with people. When I watch her working and engaged, 
it, it just creates this sense of awe, this sense of pride, this sense of excitement, this sense of, of wonder about her. And, and if you don't know her, you need to know her. She's one of the smartest people you ever meet and, and she's amazing and it just, she's amazing. Now, when I think about that, our world equates love with sexuality. And that, that can be part of love, but that is not all of love. It's a little small piece of what love is. Because when I see Christy, even though we're married, and, you know, we have kids, so that leads you to understand a few things. The fact is, every feeling that I have for her is not physical. It's, it's not lustful, but I absolutely want to be near her. I like hearing her talk. I love hearing her laugh. I like hearing, I don't like it when she shuts off my music, but we can work through that. Why? Because all the other things supersede that so I don't know how the Holy Spirit's gonna feel when he starts moving in you but here's what I know for a fact that I didn't know what it was gonna feel like to be in love with Christy until I developed a relationship with Christy when I became open and receptive to a relationship with Christy suddenly I started learning what it meant to be in love with her I, I knew what that felt like and it might it might feel differently for you whenever you're talking about your spouse or your significant other. I could talk about my love for my mother or my love for my father, my sister, my brother. I, I have a friend named Mike who I love. And my, my love for him is different than my love for anybody else. My love for Christy is different than my love for anybody else. My, it's all different. It's all unique to me and to them. And, and I can't even know how they feel about all that stuff. If Christy didn't have almost 25 years of this, she would be very uncomfortable right now. After 25, 24 and a half years, she's like, eh, cool. I can't control all that, but I don't know what it means to love until I'm open and receptive. And you can't know what it means to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit and what that will feel like until you're open and receptive to it. Open and receptive to allowing him to work in your life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now, and I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And the more we're open and receptive to him, the more sensitized to him we become, and we're able to respond as he shifts the atmosphere. Because we trust him. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people right now. That we would be open and receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Holy Spirit, maybe we've, maybe we've heard, maybe we've been taught, maybe we've sensed, maybe we saw things or understood things that, about you that were just a little scary, a little uncertain, a little unsettling from people who declared you. We're not even going to judge whether they're right or wrong. What we're going to say is we're open to you and the unique relationship that you will have with us. We're open and we're receptive to receiving all that you have in our life, for our life. Help us trust you as you shift the atmosphere around us.
we call you our Lord, our Savior, for you, Holy Spirit, are God. We thank you, God, for all that you are and what you're doing in us and through us. And we're asking you to give us the courage to open ourselves and be receptive to all of you. In Jesus' name we pray. And if that's your prayer, would you say amen with me right now? Let's stand to our feet. If you need prayer for anything at all, come forward. Online, on site, on, online, send us an email. Let us know. How can we pray for you? We want to pray for you today. Let's worship the Lord as we close.